Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin. Today, I'm excited to share my interview with Keith Parker. We cover such great topics like the aura field, the astral body, and how that's different from the light body how we hold memories, emotions, and thoughts in our energy field, and how that then affects the physical body, and much more. There's a lot of content packed into this episode, so it might be one you want to listen to a couple of times. Keith is a wealth of information when it comes to the energy system. Initially trained in contemplative science, Keith used meditation as a vehicle to understand and refine subtle states of consciousness, Over the following decade, he developed comprehensive expertise in the healing arts, including movement, breath work, body work, energy work, and other disciplines. During this intensive period, Keith had a series of breakthrough spiritual experiences, enabling him to see and feel the human energy field with remarkable clarity. His upcoming book is an exploration of how the human aura informs our understanding of the mind-body connection, consciousness, and reality itself. Quickly before we get started, I'm excited to share with you a sweet device to help you get calm and centered and sleep better than ever. Moonbird is just what you need to lower stress, improve sleep, and reduce anxiety. I've been using Moonbird and I'm wowed by how it helps me immediately shift into a focused state. There's something about its design that's instantly calming. I personally think it's because it feels like you're holding something that's alive and the way it's calmly breathing, it rather instantly guides your body to follow its lead. And it's so gentle and calming. Moonbird is really simple to use and you can customize it for your own needs. So use the link in my show notes and the code Kara Goodwin for 5% off your order. And now enjoy this episode. So welcome, Keith. I'm so excited to be with you today. Really glad to be here as well. Thank you for the opportunity to talk. Well, I'd love to talk about your journey and what led to these incredible extrasensory skills opening up for you. Sure. So there's the general question people have out there about the existence of these subtler realms, something like the aura, etc., And at this point, I specialize in work explicitly at this level with people. I run the energy. With the The aura. aura, Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, the energy. Usually I use the word energy field um, because it has maybe more of a neutral flavor to it. But the aura is the thing that has been referencing this level of phenomena for a really long time. Every tradition from every corner of the world describes this, all holistic traditions do. And some people might write it off or think it's silly or out there or what have you. I certainly grew up without any kind of beliefs in these things. I would have generally thought that didn't exist. And in extreme brief, my story is like many people about 13, 14 years ago for myself. I just found that whatever I was doing in my life wasn't working, despite how everything looked externally. Internally, I just felt a real discontent. And so I I started that inner journey. I became a seeker of sorts. I was really interested in the awakening enlightenment. I was following a lot of Eastern traditions. I did many years of that deep kind of contemplative practice. And at a certain point, about five years into that, switched over into the healing arts as a primary focus because I found that working with healers and healing techniques were bringing me into areas and aspects of my body, my psyche that I wasn't able to get to in the 
just pure meditation in and of itself. So I felt like they were really great accessories, great tools that complemented this meditative mindset or meditative ability that I kept developing. And that healing work got me in touch with the word energy. And I had to start creating a vocabulary to understand what was happening, whether it was empathic experiences, working with clients. I was mostly doing body work, craniosacral work, that kind of thing. And I started to see that a lot of the issues that people had in their physical body were actually originating in their energy system. And this started to show me, show itself as things like tension in a certain part of the physical body would start to release some kind of a quote unquote energy. And that might have been felt as pressure in myself or empathically as the emotion behind that tension in the physical body. And I started to see it go off of the body. I started to actually see the field around people compressing or distorting. And I was like, what is, what's going on here? And as I leaned into that and kept attuning my system to that, about two years into doing a lot of healing work with people, I had a very explosive kind of opening where my perceptual filters really blew off. And this is very well described in a lot of Kundalini traditions, but I had a very classical kind of experience, which had much more to go and still continues on to this day. But basically overnight, I gained this ability to really clearly see the aura, the human energy field, chakras, meridians, all that stuff. That is so cool. So like you can just look any, anybody that you look at, you can actually perceive their energy system and how it's running. In a particular way. Yes. People, it's really, it's hard to describe number one, because language we, the language we have in general, of course, is not attenuated or formatted for describing things that are non-physical. So you're, you do the best you can, and I can describe it a lot. However, there are very, very different ways of seeing the aura. And seeing is, of course, just one way. There's just as valid, just as interesting is feeling it empathically, intuiting things, visualizing things, clairaudio, like all these world, this world of extrasensory perception, uh, people get very excited by. And for good reason, it has a kind of, it's a two-edged sword where on the one side, uh, people are very excited by it. And so it actually becomes a point of confirmation of that there's something more than just what we call physical. But on the other side of things from the traditions I was studying with, they tended to stay, say, stay away from or be aware of getting lost in these intermediary realms, these like energetic realms, these planes, as shamans would call them, planes of consciousness. In energy work, the most technical term that we use would be like different dimensions or levels of the aura. They say beware because the goal of these traditions tends to be, these spiritual traditions tends to be about liberation and freedom, awakening, enlightenment, getting past relative identity to more unified understanding of what's going on with the self and reality. And these other things would be distractions because they're vast, they're interesting, they're subtle, they're hard to understand in many ways, and people can get lost in there. Plus, when you do open up your abilities, you gain these things that they call cities or idies, super superpowers, psychic abilities. And those can be very alluring to use for one's own egoic interests, to say, I know something that you don't, to somebody who might not have that kind of perception. So it's a very tenuous domain, and I think that it's they're most um, effectively used when we understand the big picture and we form the kind of underlying like techniques, like energy work, things that have to do with healing at that level in a way that that keeps that big picture. So seeing it has multiple levels of resolution. A lot of people tend to see what would be called the astral level of the field, and this is where most of the 
when people see images of auras online, like drawings and depictions, it tends to be more of this astral kind of thing. And astral is more of a thick, liquid, viscous kind of level that it's more, it's more smeared, if you will. It's more blurry. And you can actually see that with your eyes open and because it has a physical anchor. Whereas when you go up a little bit to a different level of resolution in the aura, you're looking more at what's generally called like the light body. And this is what people are talking about. A lot of people who work with plant medicine will say, I go into these realms of sacred geometry and things like that. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing in a certain sense is they're getting some kind of a direct vision of the underlying geometric template of the physical reality. So we can think of it more as like a complex geometric architecture or information system that underlies the field and that which potentially underlies all physical reality. This is what higher dimensions are, et cetera. So my vision for a while was really anchored in that astral when I had this initial opening. And that's because generally speaking, you basically keep working with where you're at. So I had to really work through that level of resolution and, and clean it up and purify it or heal it. And eventually that led to a really clear vision um, all the time of this this more geometric level uh, and seeing things like the chakras are described as these seven different colors that reflect the prism, uh, white light, a white light through a prism of seven colors. This is the very same thing of the as the light body. It really is broken up into these seven layers very discreetly. Uh, and geometry is the underlying organizing feature. So that's what I see all the time. But you don't see that with your physical eyes. It's not your your physical body is not calibrated to see this at all. This is what classically the third eye is for or is seeing. And it's in probably its most kind of clarified level is this very, this very electromagnetic geometric kind of level. Thank you for all of that. That's really fascinating. I appreciate the humility with which you come to it because that's such an important factor. Being aware of the the lure of the ego to be special and it's, it's says a lot that you're aware of that and highlighting that. But also I appreciate understanding like what it's like for you. I think of it as imagine you're at a crowded grocery store or something and you can you not only see the physical body, but you see the aura around the person and you're seeing all these geometries and the chakras and it's just a cacophony of stimulus. So I was trying to understand what it must be like to move through the world with that open, but it sounds like you're more intentional about it. And it's like, okay, I'm going to intentionally go into what the light body looks like and where it might need some repair and things like that. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, it's even more, it's actually even more simple than that in a sense is that People get very attracted to these openings and these changes that take place with general spiritual development or healing work or peak experiences. It's a carrot and it's supposed to be a carrot. It's supposed to, it's often given to you or expressed in a way that your experience excites you to the degree that you want to keep going. I mean, I think there's something built into that, but what happens is we often get attached to it. All of these things are transient in the idea that they're non-ordinary. So for me, for instance, it was extremely non-ordinary to have these experiences initially. I mean, it was like, this is the strangest stuff I've ever experienced. It, it took me initially after that opening I described, it was about two years, particularly 18 months where my life got turned upside down. I had to focus full time on clearing out all of this intense feeling and subconscious stuff and emotion and shadow and what have you to calibrate my psyche, to calibrate my nervous system. My nervous system was going 
crazy for almost a year and a half. I'd wake up every morning and literally the room was like swirling around me because of that the body needs to get attuned to this. And this is where people who have expertise in Kundalini stuff, they call it Kundalini syndrome, where basically too much electricity, too much energy can start to flow through your body where it can basically just like too much electricity through a circuit board will fry the circuit board. Uh, The body can basically not be able to handle this much charge. So you're Everything has to recalibrate around it. And so things seem very extraordinary, very weird, very, very strange at first. But over time, things normalize to the degree that it can just be like nothing's different whatsoever in a sense. So it's really important to pick that apart. And it also ties into really for people out there, meditation, this is the meditation conversation. Where What is meditation about? Where does it lead? Formal meditation is developed particularly by by communities who are looking to understand the nature of the self, reality, et cetera. And that is a realization. That's something that can be experienced and known directly through knowledge. You can intellectualize it and philosophize about it. But primarily, certainly for the Eastern traditions, they're about really knowing it by direct experience. And people think that's a peak experience or something like that. But but the fact of the matter is that meditation, if you, go, if you push it all the way to its nth degree in terms of realizing the self or what have you, that's not something that, that the peak experience is related to that, the changes that take place. That's not a realization of something new. It's not a realization of something that you didn't know in a certain sense before. It's more like why the word re- recognizing or remembering is actually a good word is that it's the really the most simplistic thing you could ever imagine, which is that here and now, beingness, presence, these words. We run a podcast called the Field Dynamics Podcast, and everybody we talk to, all the different healers we talk to, 90% of them mention that presence is the most important thing in the work that they do. And presence just means your ability to be here and now. Why is that a special thing? And why aren't we just by default here and now, even though it sounds like a paradox? Um, the simplicity of now is really everything. And so the extraordinary really folds back into the mundane most of the time, I think. So people should be excited by the extraordinary. And I get that because I think that was a leading edge for me. But fundamentally, I like to bring things back to being in your life, being in your body, connected to your uh, your desires, your purpose, your ability to choose something consciously, follow through with that. And, and then what's getting in the way? And that's where something like energy work, which is what I, I specialize in, helps people with just amongst many other therapeutic modalities. You know, how is it, what's getting in our way? How do we create more freedom? Understanding the aura, working with auric mechanics and those kinds of things, then that's, that's just one domain in which we can create more freedom. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I appreciate you bringing up that sense of presence as well, because I also have experienced a lot of the things that you're talking about, not in a sustained way, but, you know, seeing geometries and and experiencing energy, seeing it in my mind's eye, hearing things audibly that, that I'm like, oh, that's not coming from outside of me. And I've noticed if I get out of the present moment, if I try to analyze or or get the rational mind involved to try to pick apart, wait, what is this? How did I get to this state? How can I find my way back? Like later, how could I come back here if I wanted to? What did I do to get to this point? 
but it's like a different part of the brain kicks in and I come out of the present moment and I lose it. And it's similar with having a meditative experience where we realize that we're feeling so calm and so beautiful and peaceful and this is how I want to be. And then we start considering it and thinking about how great it is. And we it just coming that much out to like to quantify it or to judge it, even if we're judging it in a positive way, we get just enough out of it that we kick ourselves out. And it's Very like, well. yes, we, we keep having to learn that the just the power of presence is it, you, it again, like you're saying, it's so simple, but it is so fundamental. So I'd love to understand the work that you do with with the energies, with the aura, auric mechanics, I think I heard you say, how does that help in your healing work? Yes, I should just give a little background about the founding of Field Dynamics. I met Christabel Armsden, the other founder, in 2017. And within a year, we realized we had this wonderful kinship and we realized that we had the opportunity to really create um, an energy healing modality that was appropriate and suitable and upgraded for like the 21st century. There are a lot of things out there in the world of, let's say, energy healing. We have by far the most famous um, kind of classical energy healing is Reiki. And we saw this big opportunity to really expand upon the training and the program that people can understand what this is in clear language, understand the mechanics, understand how it is aligned with science, really make it very, very transparent, but also to create a structure and a training program that really gives people the the kind of breadth and depth required to get really good at a healing art. When we learn music or when we be, want to become an engineer or when we want to become a painter or even a meditator, et cetera, things take time. Things take half a year, two years, three years. We build up a skill set. So we formatted at the very from the very beginning, we saw that People really want need to have a lot more exposure to the education. And furthermore, healing work is very particular in that this is a very strange analogy, but if you're going to be an, a, a civil engineer and you build bridges, you don't build a bridge in yourself to be a civil engineer, right? You build bridges out there. If you're going to become a healing practitioner, you need to do a lot of your work to do work on other people. That That's like the buy-in for becoming a healing practitioner is you have to work through your stuff first to the degree that you really need. And then when you've opened that space and you understand what that entails as an individualized process, then it makes sense to hold space or to work with other people. So that's like the concurrent process of doing long-form training is you learn something, you learn a skill set, but you're going through the healing process at the same time. Right? So that's like the bridge maker doesn't build a bridge in themselves, but the healer has to heal themselves to become a quote-unquote healer. So working with the aura, a lot of people don't realize that your aura is electromagnetic. So it's not physical, which is why we have this scientific paradigm and community that doesn't really know what to do with this world of language of quote-unquote metaphysics. And that is what is beyond the physical. Well, on the one hand, scientifically, it's actually very straightforward that we understand at this point, at least looking at something like quantum mechanics or what have you, that 
beneath the threshold of like atoms and subatomic particles, et cetera, you get more into this world of energy and then they just call it probability and the wishy-washy don't know what's going on down there. But bottom line is there's a, there's an underlying energetic architecture or aspect of how physical reality is emerging from something else. And that I think is the paradigm shift, the emerging science that's coming forward is that what's beyond the physical and what's even to be more quixotics, what's beyond time and space in many ways. Your field is an electromagnetic structure and because it's electromagnetic made of light, it isn't material. So right away, it's this whole different thing. It's not this physical body, but it's connected to the physical body. And so that's the substrate of the field. It's the primary thing to understand is going from material to immaterial. It exists, it's just not material. Number two, what is in the field? What's contained there? And this is one of the most exciting, maybe surprising, important components for people to understand. And that is what your mind is doing is reflected or structured in your energy field. So all of your thoughts have structures in your field. When you're thinking, person says, oh, I'm thinking, okay, where is the thought? So you say, where is the thought? Some person might say, well, my brain's firing and there's synaptic or neurochemical processes, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, there's a correlate there, but where is the underlying total manifestation of the structure of the thought itself? Or where does it even, you could say, where does it originate? And the answer is, because I can see this really clearly, and furthermore, a lot of people have been saying this for a long time, although it's hard to take maybe not seriously, but it's hard to understand it. It's a different paradigm. All of your thoughts are actually electromagnetic objects in your field. All of your beliefs, your memory, I believe, is very much about structures in your field. Emotion, 100%. Not only is it related to the body, but it also is structured and expressed in your field. So your energy field, your aura, is actually a really good candidate to say it's the structure of the mind. And your body, just like a radio, the analogy is really good, like a radio and a broadcaster. The radio is a physical object that broadcasts information that's moving through the airwaves. And if we heard a broadcaster on a radio and we said, I'm going to find the broadcaster and we ripped open the physical radio, we're not going to find the person in there. That would be like ridiculous. But there's a similar thing that likely is happening in the model that we use, because field dynamics, which I speak for, uses theoretical models. We like to call it a working model. We're not saying this is correct and everything else is wrong. We're saying there's a phenomenology that can be both perceived directly and that we see in the therapeutic and healing process within energy work. And in that certain things, it gives you a sense of how things are formatted, how things work. So we call it a working model. It's theoretical, just like a scientist should be saying that the Big Bang is a theory and that you know, dark matter, dark energy is a theory. So when we have these emotions or these thoughts that are dysfunctional in nature, meaning like thoughts where I believe I'm not good enough or a thought like, wow, I really hate these people or an emotion like I'm holding on to a lot of anger or an emotion like I'm extremely anxious. These things actually have structure in your field. You, again, where is anxiety in your body? Where is anger in your body? Where is the belief that you're incapable of doing the things you set your mind to in your body? There's nothing that would suggest those things are in your body. There's no scientific evidence. Nobody in their direct experience has ever experienced that. Oh, there's the belief it's in my right earlobe. It's not there. Where is it? Does it exist or not? And if it does exist, because we all can go, yeah, I do have that belief, so it does exist. Where does it exist? The field is the structure where these things are actually 
existing. And so those things get crystallized. They get rigid. They, you know, the body has inflammation. We have pain in our body. We have a lack of nutrient and blood flow, those kinds of things. That creates issues in the body. Well, your, your field is flowing. And when you have the kinds of thoughts or emotions that I'm describing, they create blockage in your field. They actually obstruct the flow of energy in your field. And again, in this model of understanding energy work, it's those obstructions, those energy blocks. A shaman would call them fragmentations. A psychologist might call them repressions or suppressions or dissociations. These things are hindering your energy field, your mind's ability to interface with the body in such a way as to maintain health and vitality. So how does that then translate into the work that you do specifically in your modality? Yes. Okay. If you, if somebody Googles energy healing, they're going to get all these different lists of things. They're going to see acupuncture, chiropractic, things that are listed under complementary and alternative medicine, acupuncture, chiropractic, maybe sound healing bowls. There might be breath work in there, EFT tapping, things like that. That's great. I'm not going to say that that's not energy healing at all, but there is a thing that would be called like maybe classical energy healing where the, where the term maybe originally derives or what you would certainly say is an ancient approach to healing work that these other things didn't, most of those other things didn't exist um, in the way that they do in modernity. Um, and that is where you are working with intention, invocation, higher consciousness, no physical objects are the beginning of what energy work is, classical energy work, where we're through invocation and intention and understanding the uh, relationship of levels of consciousness, these levels in your field, how to talk to or instantiate change within your energy system instantaneously based on what it is your mind is doing. So you're creating flows in your field, you're bringing in frequencies and forms of consciousness that make changes. So a lot of people are very familiar, for instance, with the shamanic model where the shaman at the beginning of the practice might say something like, I'm invoking the four directions and I'm going to use this, this particular spirit recall in the spirit of my lineage, or I'm going to call on this particular ancestor or deity or things like that. There's actually a construction that they're making that's happening in these in the energy field. And what's interesting with shamanism, which is the really the most ancient tradition of healing that we have, is that shamanism, it masks this in the sense that there's always a physical object or a pointing to physical reality as the ground to it. So people often think, oh, well, what are they doing? Like, four directions and calling in these things like I get that they're not shamanism is not often distilling it from a purely auric perspective something like Reiki does as a modern thing Reiki is just working with the aura on the aura basically that's what we do with field dynamics we just have we have a massive menu a very very intelligent understanding of how to make things happen effectively dynamically and powerfully and, and that's, uh, in short, the mechanics of it. You know, you have a block in your field. You know, I have anxiety in my solar plexus area. How can I then make the motion, the dynamics of my field, such that what energy I'm bringing in and the movements of the field start to basically help to release or change that area of blockage in the field? Just like I have inflammation in my right shoulder, what do I do? I put my right shoulder in a bunch of cold water and the inflammation goes down. Right? It's an alleviation of the symptoms. So this is similar to what we're doing with energy work. I have this blockage in this area in my field. It has a particular quality. How can I bring things in to help to release or clear that area of blockage? So is it that you're like, I'm trying to get 
an understanding of how people work with you and work with field dynamics. So is it like you focus with practitioners, they go through a program that then helps them to do this work within them? And or are you, do you take sessions with people so that you're helping to do it for them if they're not necessarily a healer or drawn to the healing arts? but they still yeah. have healing that, that they want to undergo? Yeah, oh, great question. Field Dynamics specializes in, in training programs. We feel that the greatest way that we can give back and really our own kind of ethos is we want to empower people to do their own self-work. Because fundamentally, reliance on external sources for one's own wellness is a really short-term endeavor. We, everybody needs to, if they really want a sustainable kind of practice, sustainable development within themselves, it's really important that people develop their own skill set to be able to build that on a daily basis and, and change themselves over time. So external help is great. Of course, I do one-on-one -on -one session work with lots of people. I'm working full-time as a healing practitioner, working one-on-one -on -one with people. And in those sessions, I get to work with, examine, help told space for things to change in the person's field using energy work as the primary and lots of other like other modalities and techniques that I've learned over time that I thread in and layer at the simultaneously, right? So I work with a lot of people individually. But the primary thing with field dynamics is is empowering people to learn this themselves. So our structure goes something like the main training we have is called the EHT 100. It's 100 hours energy healers training 100 hour program. We've been running it for three years now online, and uh, each of them are six months long, and we meet on select weekends. So it's like a Saturday and a Sunday, and we have about three weeks off, and then come back together for another Saturday, Sunday, and that's, that goes on for six months. And each of those weekends, which is like a little mini intensive healing and learning immersion experience, we do two things. One is we learn about the energy field, the energy system, what's there. We map our system more and more. We understand holistic healing process. There's a lot of different educational pieces in there uh, and the tools. So what are the new tools? What are the new areas like depths of the energy anatomy, depths of issue that we're working on? And then at the same time, the other half of the time is we're doing group energy healing sessions. So the tools that are being introduced are worked into the person's energy system. They get the benefits of that healing process. We share a lot as a group. We use it as a learning technique for people to say, oh, I felt this, I felt that. My sensing is developing in this way and that way, et cetera. And then people go off in those few weeks in between and they have a self-practice with the new tools. So they keep deepening into the layers and stages that we're presenting. And they also do partner trades where they're working with other people and learning to do their energy healing work with other people as space holders. So they do a trade. So that's the progressive structure and the dynamism of you know, how you can present something theoretically and experientially, and then a person takes that on themselves and, of course, needs to practice and keep deepening in themselves. And at the end of those six months, we've been finding that people go from wherever they're starting, which might be total beginners to people who've been working in alternative therapeutic modalities for 20, 30 years. But everybody starts in the same place, and we go through those six months, and everybody comes out the other side in a really, really different place. A lot of transformation, a lot of education and inspiration, a wonderful kind of community aspect, relationship building for like-minded people, especially in these kinds of spaces that are very particular. The language of energy work is not like dinner table conversation for most people. But the issues that we're working on are feeling more at peace within oneself, feeling more balanced, getting 
clarity about their major blocks in their life, improving relationships, particularly family relationships, spousal relationships, intimate relationships, and just being able to meet life just with a with a with greater context, let's say, and more presence. Beautiful. And you have a book coming out, right? Yes, I do have a book coming out in the year of 2024. It's tentatively titled, so I don't want to say we're shopping it around right now um, because the title might change. Editors like to do that. But I think the main thing to express about what the book is, is it's really in part a, a story of my own because I, I just I want to get my story out of the way kind of thing. Mm-hmm. People respond to stories very well. Um, I tend to get a little more on the technical side of things, but people digest story much easier than they do conceptual things. So I just wanted to get my story out the way. So it's half of the book is a story, but then the other half of the book is a commentary that's pretty much 50-50 with the story that basically says, oh, here's this thing that I went through, you know, meditation. What's meditation about? Where's it going? We look at jhana and samadhi and things like that and the map of mind from the contemplative traditions. And then, oh, what about body work and healing work? How is the body and the mind connected? What's this thing called energy and blah, blah, blah. And we establish those things and we just keep towing down the line to deeper and deeper concepts until basically the phenomenology of what's changed in me and my own insights and understandings are conveyed both as a story, as an experience, but also as a reflective kind of conceptual explanation so that people can be grounded in both those domains simultaneously. Beautiful. Well, this has been wonderful and fascinating, Keith. Thank you so much. Can you tell us how people can connect with you? Sure. Our website is fielddynamicshealing.com. And really, the pretty much the majority of pretty much everything that we have going on can be found on there. As I mentioned, we have these different courses in 2024. We have one of these EHT100s online starting in February, but also we have an in-person um, version for the first time in Bali. So we're really, really excited to be taking what's been three years, three times a year of a six-month training uh, and compressing it into 24 days in person. So we're very, very excited about that. And for people who like to go to beautiful like wellness destinations, then they're going to be really excited by being in Bali. And that's how we originally envisioned this training. Actually, it was COVID that actually made us reformat things online. And it was a major blessing because it's worked out very, very well. But we're able now to return to an in-person format for the first time. So those two things are happening. And we also have foundational courses, which we uh, we call the foundations course, which is 10 hours long and gives people like a foundational skill set and energy work, gives them a chance to experience field dynamics, how it might be different, what, what our general process is like, both as facilitators and as, in terms of the content. And, and yeah, and then lastly, we have a podcast as well. Just like you have the Meditation Conversation podcast, which is producing a ton of wonderful content. And we have the Field Dynamics podcast where we speak to people who are working within, generally speaking, a lot of holistic healing practitioners, doctors, neuroscientists, things like that, kind of the bleeding edge of different things connected to holistic health and medicine and spirituality. So that's another thing. We're producing a lot of content there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. What a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, Cara. It's been a pleasure speaking with you as well today. And I hope this has been informative for your listeners. 